1: Good morning,
2: I'm Doug Krisner,
1: And I'm Brian Curtis. Here are the stories we're following today. The yen has jumped against its peers after a report said the Bank of Japan would discuss tolerating higher bond yields. The story from Bloomberg's Bonnie Owl.
3: The Nikkei reported the BOJ is considering letting long-term rates rise above its 0.5% cap in its yield curve control policy. The yen rose as much as 2% against the euro and about 1% against the dollar before easing. Markets have been speculating on the timing of changes to the YCC program. It might be seen as the beginning of a monetary tightening campaign by the BOJ. That said, Bloomberg Economics expects the BOJ to stand pat at today's meeting and will hold through the first half of 2024. In Hong Kong, I'm Bonnie Al, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia.
2: Next, we go to the European Central Bank. Today, the ECB, as expected, hiked its key rate by 25 basis points. You know, this is the ninth straight increase since last July, so the key deposit rate is now at 3.75%. All of this comes as ECB officials have flagged that their hiking campaign may be close to ending. President Christine Lagarde said the ECB would have an open mind as to what to do next, and it will will follow a data-dependent approach.
3: Our future decisions will ensure that the key ECB interest rates will be set at sufficiently restrictive levels for as long as necessary to achieve a timely return of inflation. To our two percent medium-term target
2: now as madame lagarde spoke money markets began looking at bets for the september meeting right now odds of another rate hike only about 40 percent. earlier that had been 50 percent madame lagarde may be offering some more clues on her thinking when she gives a speech at the fed's annual retreat in jackson hall that will happen brian late august
1: well, the chipmaker Intel is saying that sales in the current quarter will be as much as $13.9 billion. Analysts were estimating $13.3 billion. The outlook suggests that Intel has turned a corner after a sluggish demand for PC chips earlier. We heard from Angelina Zeno at CFRA Research. So it does look like that kind of inventory overhang that we've seen over the, the last four or five quarters at mm-hmm. least is starting to stabilize here. And you know clearly on the guidance side of things, it also does indicate that we are going to see more momentum going into the second half of the year. So all good signs for Intel at least from a uh, I'd say a cyclical perspective. Intel also reported second quarter revenue that fell 15% to $12.9 billion, but that did beat analysts' estimates of about $12 billion. Client computing and data center sales both beat analyst expectations, and the shares really popped in the after hours, Doug, currently up 7.9%.
2: Well, top U.S. regulators have unveiled plans for their most comprehensive overhaul of banking rules in years. More from Bloomberg's and Cates.
0: The Federal Reserve, the FDIC, and the Office of the Controller of the Currency would boost the amount of capital that banks with at least $100 billion in assets must hold by an average of 16%. The eight biggest banks face a 19% increase to thicken their financial cushions to absorb unexpected losses. The reforms are part of an international overhaul that began more than a decade ago in response to the 2008 financial crisis. The package isn't likely to be implemented for years, with companies, consumer advocates, and others to weigh in on the proposal over the next four months. In Washington, Ann Cates, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. China's
1: top housing official has stepped up the pressure on regulators and lenders to try to revive the property sector. Bloomberg's Joanne Wong has that story from Hong Kong.
3: Housing Minister Nhi Hong has called for home buyers who've paid off previous mortgages to be considered first time purchasers. Up until now, buyers who have a mortgage history but don't currently own a property are subject to higher down payment rules. Home sales resumed to declines in June following a brief rebound earlier this year. Earlier this month, financial regulators did step up the pressure on banks to ease terms for property companies. Now Nhi is also calling for further measures such as tax and fee relief for housing upgrades and replacement. In Hong Kong, I'm Joanne Wong, Bloomberg de Bragasia.
1: Doug, the move in the yen was was huge today, uh, although it did ease back, as we noted. Uh, Krishna Guha at Evercore said that, obviously, any change in this would have to be really carefully managed, Uh, otherwise it could have a big impact on markets. But Evercore also said that they believe that this this process has already been over-discounted on what might happen. Uh, And we noted at the end of our story that Bloomberg Economics is expecting no change today and maintaining this policy through next year or into next year.
2: Well I was looking at a note from Alan Ruskin over at Deutsche Bank and he was saying that a hawkish policy tweak, even rhetorically by the Bank of Japan, would likely be seen as an early step a very early step toward pulling short-term rates in Japan into positive terrain I think the policy rate is what negative 10 basis points yeah. and if that were to occur it would undoubtedly offer even more support to the Japanese yen
1: Well, it's another one of these adjustments that you have to look at how much has already been discounted Mm. versus the imagined total impact. And, you know, it's probably somewhere in there uh, and it it makes it difficult. But we'll, of course, be watching that very closely today. Interesting, the moves uh, in China. We had reported this a week ago. And so, you know, kudos to the reporters on that story a week ago because we heard from the housing minister just looking at making it a little bit easier for people to acquire properties uh, that otherwise had some restrictions.
2: Interesting uh, that Goldman Sachs was saying today that its hedge fund clients net purchased Chinese stocks at the fastest pace in nine months on Tuesday. And obviously, Brian, as you know, this is going to be connected to a lot of the policy support that we've been talking about as a result of uh, what's been coming out of the Politburo meeting.
1: Yeah, and that's a big, big thing because the hedge funds have been short the currency and short uh, stocks for a period of time. We've got Peter Cheer coming up, head of macro strategy at Academy Securities. He's great on the bond market and on rates generally, so he'll be a a fantastic guest to have on the program. That's all dead ahead. Now it's time for Global News. U.S. Senate is on a path to pass a military and and package of sorts to counter China and in and uh, ukraine along the way let's get to ed baxter he'll sort through all that and uh, bring you some pearls of wisdom ed
4: Yeah, I don't know about the wisdom part. I can sort through it, Brian. Thanks. Uh, Senate Appropriations Committee has backed key munitions bill to counter China's military buildup, as well as in Ukraine. So both things. Now, this is the Pentagon's request to enter into a multi-year contract with Lockheed Martin and RTX Corporation. French President Emmanuel Macron says France is trying to position itself as buffer between superpowers when it comes to the South Pacific. He says the sovereignty of many states is threatened by new imperialism. Imperialisms and power dynamics. Both China and the U.S. have sought to build influence in the region. Macron wants Paris to act as a balance force. Even though the month isn't through, U.N. climate scientists say they'll certainly go down as the warmest July on record. Secretary General Antonio Guterres using the strongest words
3: yet. Climate change is here. It is terrifying, and it is just the beginning The era of global warming has ended, the era of global boiling has arrived.
4: And U.S. President Joe Biden at an event today with Phoenix mayor said heat is the number one weather-related killer in the United States. There used to be a lot of time when I first got here, a lot of people said, oh, it's not a problem. Well, I don't know anybody, I shouldn't say that, I don't know anybody who honestly believes climate change is not a serious problem. Uh, Phoenix, by the way, topped 110 degrees today for the 27th consecutive day, with the heat expected to last into the weekend. Court official in Washington, D.C. says there will be no Trump indictment today, although his legal team is indicating it could come at any time. This would involve charges related to the 2020 election results. Now, Bloomberg Balance of Power co-host Joe Matthews says timing... Well, it's totally up to the special prosecutor. And one thing we do know
2: is that the special counsel can, can do this anytime he wants. A lot of questions today about whether he's waiting for Congress to get out of town. And we suspect that Jack Smith will do this when he's good and ready.
4: Now, we also know there was a meeting today between Trump attorneys and the special counsel. Justice Department officials declining to comment. And following now, and this is the separate indictment that's already dropped, a second Trump employee has been charged, Carlos de Oliveira, who is a maintenance worker at Mar-a-Lago. North Korea showcased its nuclear weapons in its military parade marking the Korean War armistice. Delegations from China and Russia were present. Satellite imagery of preparations indicated the event included ICBMs designed to deliver nuclear warheads to the U.S. mainland. So far, there has been no mention of the event in its official media. Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg.
0: The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum, powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor q Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is
1: Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. I'm Brian Curtis in Hong Kong, along with Rashad Salamat in London. Our guest is Peter Cheer, head of macro strategy at Academy Securities. Well, a lot to talk about. uh, And I like it that you've got David Bowie in your notes. So I think this is going to go very well. Um, Let's talk first about the yen and the big move today and the hints that the BOJ will do what we've always thought they were going to do at some point. Your thoughts on that?
5: Yeah, it's not very often that the markets have been taken by surprise lately, but I think we are all in this mode that, okay, the Fed's kind of done, maybe completely done hiking. The ECB actually sounded a little bit more dovish than people were expecting. Markets were rallying. We were all looking at meta. And all of a sudden the BOJ talked about changing the, you know, rumors came out that they were to change their yield curve control, allow the tenure to go to 50 bips. And that sent everything spiraling because I think that's been such a huge driver of U.S. rates, global rates, is Japanese buying of, foreign debt. And that could change if this really occurs.
3: Peter, it's strange. I mean, is history about to repeat itself? Because ever since the start of the modern BOJ, we're talking about the BOJ Act in 1998, there have only been two occasions when the, uh, the central bank has shifted to policy tightening. Once was in August 2000, the other was in July 2006. And guess what? Both of them happened after the Fed finished a series of rate hikes. Spooky.
5: Yeah, and it's almost like there's a coordinated effort, right? Okay, maybe globally we can't handle everyone hiking or tightening at the same time. So now it's Japan's turn to take the mantle and run with this, which would be really interesting if true, but... Again, there's no reason for Japanese yields to stay as low as they are. I think you will get more and more Japanese domestic buyers of JGB. So what started with the yen today in terms of strength could well continue. And I think that's going to be a trend. I'm not sure why stocks reacted as negatively as they did in the U.S. Saying that could reverse itself. But I do think higher yields is probably here to stay a little bit, and yen strength is a new thing.
1: Yeah, and let's face it, I mean, U.S. stocks may have just used it as an excuse to uh, pull back a little bit after some pretty solid gains. But I mean, we had the the yield curve control adjusted from 25 basis points to 50, and what they were suggesting in the Nikkei story was just to a certain degree, a move from that. The yen really strengthened back after that call in December, but then gave most of it back and we went back into the 140s on dollar yen. So it's not like this is totally new.
5: You know, I think maybe it was the timing of this that really everyone had just got so comfortable with Powell. It was just after the ECB presser where, again, Madame Lagarde came out as relatively dovish. So the timing, I think, had something to do. People have been positioned aggressively. I think people have been buying into this rally. People have been buying into that central banks are done with tightening. So I think it was probably more the shock value. My gut feel is you want to fade this move, at least in stocks and U.S. dollar yields. I think in... Uh, I do like the yen, though, because it probably is a shift in mentality, and it should be supported to the yen. Mm.
3: Uh, just sort of bring something up here as well, and, you know, we look at what's, what happened just about, what, six weeks ago. Um, you know, we saw, and I'm talking about the ECB here, they they were projecting a pickup in a second quarter growth and solidity for the second half of the year, and then, you know, it didn't look unreasonable. Composite PMIs in the Eurozone were reasonable, and then... After two months of data, the picture's entirely different. PMI's collapsing, the nascent recovery, especially for Germany, looking more like a blip, and uh, they raised rates. Now, this reminds me of Telma Louise. There's no stopping them.
5: Well, you know, I think I can talk more about the Fed. I think they are still making up for mistakes that were made in 2021 when everything was transitory, 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 and it turned out not to be transitory at all. And I think that's one of the big things all these central banks are facing is they missed it. They missed the inflation so badly that they've been overcorrecting. And now I think we're sitting here in the U.S. a little bit, and now obviously within Europe, saying, have we gone too far? I think they've gone too far. I think they're supposed to allow the economy to play out see what impact has already gone on from the global rates. You're starting to see a lot of the COVID stimulus particularly in the U.S., but probably across the globe, diminish. I think they're supposed to be much more dovish, see how this plays out. And that's been the sense, and that's why I think Japan today was so surprising because they kind of went the other way.
1: Well, we're getting a lot, a lot of pop culture into this uh, with Thelma and Louise and David Bowie and the ch ch changes uh, uh, But uh, let's talk a little bit about the better economic data in the U.S. Uh, I wonder whether or not that emboldens the Fed to maybe not worry too much about the lagged effect and to stay strong on inflation. I heard um, Jan Hatzius at Goldman Sachs uh, talking earlier on Arrival Network, and he thinks the Fed is done, that they're not going to hike again. What do you think?
5: So I think they are actually truly data-dependent, and I think data-dependency has been a word that gets way overused or a phrase that gets way overused. They weren't really data-dependent for the last year and a half. They were looking for data that justified hiking, and the message I'm taking away from Powell recently in the Fed is they are really going to look... the preponderance of data over the next two months. It's going to include inflation data, jobs data, and it's going to have to send a really strong signal either one way or the other for them to do something. So I think they're really on hold, and that kind of brought back the David Bowie and changes is, my view is we're going to see a leadership change in the U.S., and it's going to go from the quote-unquote Magnificent Seven um, to a broader-based rally.
3: Where will that come from?
5: I think it's really going to come from money that's on the sidelines that's starting to feel well. If the Fed's almost done, if the ECB's almost done, the data continues to come in okay. I've got to put this money to work, and you can either close your eyes and buy something that's already up to, you know, 100, 200 percent this year, or we can buy something that's up three or five percent. So I think the money is going to flood into those. Things that people are generally underweight are still short, and that's the next stage of this rally. Isn't going to be the big mega caps continuing to drive it. It's going to be everything else running up, and I think you're going to see a lot of the laggards, including commercial real estate. To be honest, really outperform over the next month or so.
3: We've
1: we've really already seen it. I mean, we've been squawking about that a lot in this program. About industrials have moved a lot, transports have moved a lot, even banking now has been moving a lot. And I note that in terms of earnings, um, the financial sector and the industrial sector are actually raising their earnings now. So that means that earnings have troughed and they're actually raising rather than just reporting earnings that are, you know, less bad than expected. So uh, what you're saying is, is, is a process that is unfolding. I think for many, the question is, would that continue if we drifted toward recession? But it seems like the data is suggesting now that's not happening.
5: Yeah, and so about two weeks ago, I was taking some of that risk off the table. You know, We would had a good run on commercial real estate on the laggards, and it felt time to take some chips off the table. But given the Fed's messaging, given the current data, I think it's really hard to bet coming into August that we're going to see this slowdown. So I think you want to own those things, that people are underweight. And talking to clients, I still think that's where people are going to be much more comfortable putting their next dollar in, is the things that seem a little bit cheap, Smaller P.E. ratios than the quote-unquote Magnificent 7.
3: All right. Well, okay, Peter, the thing is, what are the dangers that lie ahead? Because, you know, there could be over-tightening. But at the same time, hasn't now, you know, the conversation tilted towards not how far rates will go, but how long they'll stay at those levels? And I just want to just ask you, do you think that this is normalization and they don't need to perhaps cut in the future for any in a meaningful way as they wait perhaps for the next downturn?
5: yeah, so I don't think they have to cut any time in the future. Um, I think they will wait until at least December, January, even if the data is weak. My biggest fear is obviously, now all of a sudden bullishness has become a consensus view. as a contrarian, I always kind of, you know hate to be on the consensus side of view, so maybe I'm a little bit more aggressive with the laggards. But also, August tends to be a time where, Consensus can win, whether it's people are on vacation or whatever's going on. It's hard to fight the trend in August. So that's why I think we could see some good news in August. But as we near September, I think people are going to start focusing on, hey, recession risk is probably still real. Everyone got squeezed out of the recession trades. Um, but I, I think we kind of have this two- to three-week window where everyone's going to be a little bit more calm, assuming the BOJ doesn't do anything, you know, to really shock us and then after that we can start thinking about the problems is the recession coming what's happening in yeah. the u.s. with student loan re- debt repayments etc um... de the friction okay. between u.s. and china there's a lot of risks out there i think they're just going to be ignored for the next two to three weeks